Buy, sell, number one. Recaps from previous movies at the beginning of another movie are not needed. I think Lindsay briefly touched on this at the beginning here. I would say maybe a recap from the one, just the one that is pre-prior. <laughs> there's like a big gap. I don't think there, were a, there was a huge gap between these movies, but like if there's a big gap, maybe from the one movie before, but like both movies having a recap was wild. It's almost like they retconned the second one. It's almost like they just didn't want to acknowledge the second for some reason. Yeah. Well, well, the, the, none of the story continues the second one. It it, it kind of does like a Back to the Future, where uh, which is which is I, I, which is why I would actually sell that idea. Uh, I think that I think that recaps are good for certain films. Like it's good for Back to the Future. It's good for uh, Superman Two, um, uh, which is the other movie that like takes too long to recap the old uh, recap the, the pre-existing movie. So there are times where it's necessary. And I think with this one, if you had just seen Karate Kid Part Two, if let's say it's the '80s, you can't just watch these movies all the time. You don't necessarily have the VHS. All you've seen is Karate Kid Part Two, and then you're like, "Oh, there's Karate Kid Part Three. I haven't seen Part One yet, but I should see Part Three. There's a good chance that you would have no idea what's going on because you only know two of the characters. So I could I could see for that exact reason, only that reason. Uh, having that having so much recap but it is it is crazy just how much time is spent on recap in both films yeah i feel like especially because it's like the first one was so iconic and like so many people saw it that like since you're kind of going back to like the same bad guy plus if they're additional bad guy friends it's like once you see (laughs) you're like oh that bad guy he's back right and it's not like and it's not like it's ever confusing who's evil no not at all not at all yeah i uh watching the intro this time like i remember talking about watching the one in karate kid part two and i think i said like i was confused because you couldn't tell where the cut from uh intro recap to movie was i was like did all this happen at the end of the first movie and i just like missed it or forgot about it somehow this i this like was a different problem where like, you know, we do the recap and then we, it cuts similarly seamlessly to a thing that is so far removed from like the main events of the movie. It's the keys yeah. walking down the street, looking right. all or whatever. Like I found that jarring in a different way, you know, and I felt discombobulated, but I will say the intro, I could get the sense pretty quickly. I was like, oh, this intro is focusing a little bit more on the Cobra Kai guys. I think this is them marking that return and that's what it ended up being. Yeah. I would say that, I would say that the weird thing is that this intro is the exact same intro they used for, or for the most part, the same for karate kid part two, where you don't need to know anything about the Cobra Kai guys. Yeah. 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 I feel like we needed to know what, like if they were going to do a recap, just do a little bit of the recap from the first one in this one and don't do anything in the second one. No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the like director of this these movies was like. Well, I don't know how he felt about. Well, I think what the overall problem is is that they keep ending the movies right after the fight, yeah. instead of ending it in the parking lot where where yeah. Miyagi you know has has the the punch. It's like they it's like oh I want to do sequels as though that scene happened, so I'll just put it in the recap. And it's like well that's not how that works. Yeah, like if they had ended the first movie after the like the kind of fight in the parking lot, that would have been like super satisfying and great. Mm-hmm. Like yes. if they had ended there, great, because then you don't need a recap. Like that's because yeah. I honestly like watching the recap in the third one. 
when they played that same part again, I like forgot which of the two it was from because right. like Manus was saying, it's like, it's so seamless with the first one that like yeah. technically it wasn't the second one, but it was like the first two minutes of the second movie. It was included in there. Yeah. I yeah. So I guess I, I mean, it was equal parts helpful for reframing what I was about to see and discombobulating for not giving me any sort of breather before yeah. getting into the movie. I also think it's an interesting like choice in general to try to make three movies with like no time jumps. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. the first one immediately blends into the second one, and the second one is supposed to. I mean, we're seeing them get off the plane, but it basically right. is, it immediately goes into the third one. Like we don't have time to be like give like two exposition sentences and being like, wow, so much has happened since blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it could feel clunky, but you could get out information quickly and be like, oh, time has passed. Yeah. So I'm you know what happened? The writers, when they were beginning part three, looked around the room and said, should we include anything from two? And they were like, what, those, those slopes? No. Oh, hey, by the way, by the way, let's write that in. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give, so I'm going to give that one an or. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> buy, uh, buy or sell two a phone next to a bathtub was the height of luxury in the 80s Ooh. bye yeah I'm gonna buy <laughs> I think we already touched on that earlier oh my gosh yeah because I mean you gotta have like a villain in like a luxury but also vulnerable position with like people who work for them surrounding them on their back like at their back he, he is almost always wet in the first <laughs> half of the film he's in a sauna He's in a sauna when he's telling Crease to, is it Crease or Keys? I keep I saying both. Keese. No, I'm almost, it it's Crease. It is Crease. Okay. There's yeah. an R. Keese is the name of the bat from Zelda. The, the bat, the bat creatures. <laughs> so so uh, every time, every time he's like, when he's on the phone, he's like either his, he's like wet with sweat or he's in the sauna or he's in the bathtub. It's like, what is wrong with, what? how much has the nuclear waste gotten to him? Where his like body even, just needs to be wet. He just needs that heavy water. Even when his body's not wet, he's adding artificial wet to just the ponytail. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that pony. <laughs> yeah. Daniel was a terrible son for leaving his mom for months without a dance partner. Okay, what happened to that uncle? He looked terrible. <laughs> what happened to that uncle? Also, he looked, acted like you caught emphysema, which is not yeah. a thing. Yeah. He, looked, he looked like he was sick in 1920 in 1980. Yeah. <laughs> like with the bell yeah yeah i hate the term sick bed it just really grosses me out but that was a freaking sick bed yeah he had like a weird like brass table to like put food <laughs> and medicine on in front of him and he was doing like big cartoonish eye crossing coughs in uh, the background yeah. that guy was that guy was in like airplane or something you know? yes <laughs> completely different <movie. laughs> yeah that was yeah and the mom seemed like chipper at least you know? she was in. At least we got to see at her. Least she was in this one. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we even got to see her in the last. One. She wasn't the second one at all. No, they just kind of right. like it was on the phone. Yeah, we heard on the phone. Bonsai tree demands were at its peak in the late eighties. I don't know. I wasn't alive. It was either it was either bonsais, <laughs> it was either bonsais or second wave uh, lava lamps. Like the, oh. those were the two things. I would, yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. Looking at like you know photos of the vibe, I feel like there are definitely yeah. trends that come through with like, ooh, we want to do something that's like, you know, I I'm using this like exotic, you know, like yeah. trying to borrow things from other cultures and for sure, or not for that's sure, great is mm -hmm. up for debate, but yeah. Well, a bonsai tree in 
1980 that was 100 years old would be 140 years old. And we all know that demand for bonsai trees now is at an all-time high. It's only going up. Like, it, it must have been pretty high then for it to be like what it is now, which is people, you know, killing each other in the streets for each other's bonsai trees. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every day you open the you open the newspaper and see another one of those bonsai murders, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's just the, it's the world we live in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know anyone with a bonsai. I feel like the only times I see them are in like upscale Asian restaurants. Truly. You know, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've seen a bonsai tree anywhere lately. Yeah. I mean, there used I to be a guy that would um, unload a van of bonsai trees at a bank right down the street from my old condo off East North street near the Pelham East side of town. Uh-huh. And I always said to myself, man, this is my time to get one. And I never did. And I don't yeah. know what happened to the man. It could be a figment of my, my imagination for all I know now. It is always weird when you like pull into a QT on like, at like on like a Tuesday morning and the armored bonsai truck tree is there. It's always like really tense. Like, you know, you're like, I, you know I'm just getting gas, but like, is something going to go down? You know, just seeing it there. You never know when it's going to be the day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the big drop. Right. Just keep driving and lock the doors. Uh, $10,000 is enough to set someone for life. I, that was another thing of like, he has this whole plan of how he's going to save Mr. Miyagi and has no concept of what Mr. Miyagi wants or of money in general. Yeah. Mr. Miyagi is like completely self-sufficient. Yeah. But he is just so like wrapped up in everything Mr. Miyagi that like... Yeah. But I, I feel like his sense of money is shown earlier in the movie when... Um, they're at the uh, at the beginning, like his old apartment, or like where he had, they all had to move out. He had to move out of, and he's like flapping around that wad of cash. That was definitely like twenty one dollar bills. Yeah. Like that was not a lot of money. And he was like, "I can, I got some cash." And it was <laughs> I like, got this, "I got this college money." I got yeah. this college in nineteen eighty costs costs eight dollars. Yeah, it was clearly like not a lot of money at all. But yeah. he thought it was a lot. So like, I feel like we learned a little bit of insight into his you know, monetary it just knowledge continues to speak to the weird fucked up relationship that they have where Mr. Miyagi doesn't know what he's going to do next. Like his retirement is seemingly going down the drains, even though he reveals himself later to be totally self-sufficient. I think he probably owns that house at this point and can mm. like oh, yeah. feed himself just by fishing, Yeah, you know? And like, he doesn't take Daniel's money at first, which looks okay. But then, he totally is fine with it when Daniel puts down the money to open Miyagi's business that he apparently has always wanted. It's it's very it's creepy in hindsight. Did, like, did he actually want this business? Though? That's what he I was going to say. I don't think Daniel I don't think he does. Wanted him to want it. I think I think he I think there's a certain point where Miyagi like switches where he goes, oh, this kid can't live on his own. Like this kid can't survive. <laughs> I need I need to make my life about making Daniel son uh like be able to survive. And that's when he's like, okay, this kid wants to give me a bonsai store. Like, what kind of fool? I'll make him a that partner. I've known for I'll just make about a, a year. Um, yeah, I'll make I him agree. a partner in this bonsai store. I will work so hard in order to make it actually profitable. <laughs> like. I'll sell my truck to make to like get bonsais to sell bonsais instead of selling my bonsai in order to buy bonsais to sell more bonsais. I just realized how stupid like, the plot is. 
Or selling one of his nice cars. Yeah, he has a collection of cars at one point. Like, what the hell happened to those? He's like functional car he sold. Like the one that he uses regularly. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, the truck he might need to move plants. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those situations where, like, you find out someone has a hobby, and then you're like, oh, you should do that. Like, oh, you should do that as your job. And the person's like, nah, it's okay. Like, I love to do it, but I don't want to do it as my job. And Daniel's like, I'm going to make it be your fucking job. And then, like, that's what happened. That's so true. Uh, you know, again, basis is all on just a couple of things that are like hobbies and interests. And like, no, yeah. we're going full, full, we're going full out. It's like me going to Manus like, Manus, I love you. I bought you this store where we can sell wrestling memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> this is our thing now. Are you okay? I, I, I invested my entire I life savings. Like I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in the back burner. Number yeah. six, Daniel's dance moves have gotten better since Okinawa. I didn't notice them, so yeah. What did you yeah, say? I didn't, I didn't, did we really get to see, I feel like we didn't get to see them at their full potential. And I always love a good dance number when uh, it's someone who's about, who's like, knows how to dance, who's about to try something and being like, well, I guess I'll try. And like, then they, they're doing like complex flips and stuff. And we he didn't get He was doing that. the Carlton before the Carlton was a car. He was going like this. <laughs> and then he spun. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, we didn't get to see like through the legs and yeah. like some like you know cool lifty yeah. stuff. We established in in part two in our episode. We established in part two that Daniel cannot lift people. Mm-hmm. That is why he gave a little girl to an older man to say, "You take her." In the middle <laughs> oh, of the hurricane. Yeah, that's right. No, we can't expect Daniel to do lifts in through the legs. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm watching the dance scene again right now. Uh, <laughs> they do a good job of obscuring his dance. Any time it's going to be more than like. At a, like a second on screen it's like it's like daniel's dancing and then there's people in the foreground or there's a column or there's like it's like it's like they're like you know what ralph you're doing great but honestly i think just if you can go further into the crowd when you dance <laughs> yeah, it'll look more realistic yeah yeah cinema he, I, verita i feel like he gets 20 percent ganglier per film and that <laughs> yeah. doesn't really help in the dance yeah if you like don't have control over that gangle yet yeah karate kid 2 was definitely the better dance with the full Mm -hmm. speaking of the dancing the guy who had his nose broken in the club should have gotten paid up front so i thought silver did hand him money but the line he says after getting punched he goes where's the guy with my money so Uh, weird so weird what a weird choice again i think that's just an ad lib that didn't make any sense yeah. Like, there's, or, like there's there's just too many times. Or Silver knew that that dude was dumb and was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do this guy if I just say I'm going to give him money. Yeah. But he also doesn't seem to be super funny anyway, giving 50% of the winnings to someone who talked to him for two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, this, this scene was one of the more weirdly shot scenes because you can't really tell if Daniel knows Silver is there or not for yeah. most of the scene because like... At first, he's doing his, like, stealth move, which is just him leaning against the wall, you know, and they kind of walk right <laughs> by him. And then when it comes time for the confrontation, Silver gets, like, all up in there, you know? Like, yeah. he's clearly in the periphery, but then, like, you know, he doesn't get acknowledged until the fight happens, and he's like, Daniel, come on, we got to get out of here, you know? Like, and Daniel what? goes with him, which makes me think maybe he knows he's there, but it's not, it's not clear whatsoever. Like I said, so many actions in this movie are just, it's unclear what's happening because like nothing's happening, nothing's happening, two things are happening at once and there's no drawing of focus. There's no like, 
oh, you should be looking here. It's like uh, uh, Silver is there and the punch guy is there and Silver is talking to Daniel, but also the punch guy is like now snuggling with the girl. It's like, it's so, like everything just happens too, and too there uh, simultaneously. there weren't any like hints of things that were going to happen. Like there was set up like 30 seconds before the thing happened. Like we saw Silver talk to that guy and then it happened right away. It wasn't like it was like this planned thing. So it felt random. Like right. it didn't feel like a, oh, that was a cool thing that he planned. It was like, a, oh God, like good thing that worked out, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like it, it, the movie makes it feel like like in reality, that girl had to go to Cincinnati and they were like, we were going to film more with her, but she had to go to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know what would have been better for an 80s movie? And I don't mean this by any means by like uh, the trope of, oh, what is it called? I know in comic books it's called being stuffed in the refrigerator, but there's a terrible trope. Oh, fridge? Yes, a fridge. But in this case, it would have worked because of the context of how bad the movie already was if Jessica had died in that little gorge. Oh. Right? Like, 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 oh, all right, Daniel's now pissed. All right, whatever. Is what it is. So, but like the the thing in general, I don't like because I think like the for comic books, it was a uh, Green Lantern when it was like the the coin yeah. was turned because he came home uh, from fighting like a villain in space. Uh, oh, but the whole time, the before he fought the villain, the villain already killed his girlfriend and stuffed her in the refrigerator. It's yeah. a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Like the 90s, seven, that's just what the nineties uh, does. Seven, the uh, the the Seven Deadly Sins movie with Brad Pitt. Yeah. What's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah, but. If, I think this, I think Miyagi should have agreed to, like, in reality, I think the idea is that Miyagi agrees to train Daniel and let him fight after Daniel's, like, life has been directly threatened. So by that logic, like, after the Gorge incident, they that's the moment that should have been like, all right, you got to fight these guys. They were going to yeah. let you drown down there, you know? Well, well, if Daniel oh. had done, like, any kind of explanation, Miyagi might have been on board. And the ropes in the car and the guys yeah. are there with the tree Daniel and I snapped was... it and I'm screwing everything up. And it's like, whoa, dude, if you could just, like, actually explain what happened, I think Miyagi yeah. would actually be kind Better of thought Miyagi should have died in the Gorge and, and Daniel would have had to have won only using the books he had piled up. Mm. Just saying, throwing it out there. Number eight, and this is a, this is a very serious statement. I want, I want some good thoughts here. Karate Kid Three villainizes Daniel more than uh, more than creates a sad story. I at the end of the movie, I said he did not re- deserve the redemption arc that he was given. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I thought he was very quickly too. It's like twenty minutes, like from the yeah. point where like, will you train me now? We train. I was like, I was like, I looked at my like uh, my phone because I was watching my phone. I was like, there's only twenty fucking minutes left of this movie. They're gonna I do was, the whole I, thing. I thought, thank God, this movie's finally kicking into gear. You know, <laughs> yeah, really, like it, it, it from the gorge scene. The rest of the movie should have been that twenty minutes that we saw right. in the movie. Yeah, you know, like that's all we really needed. Yeah, and there's not like there's not a ton added to him finding out that Terry Silver's a bad guy before the fight. So, so there's really no need for that either. Like, like there's, it's a, it's a good fight, you know, in finding out that, that crease was not dead. Um, but that, that emotional impact is not seen because then they have to like speed through this like quick montage of also the bad guys training and like this whole, this whole thing is like, if we had seen all that at the match, if the match lasted longer, if he had more than one fight, like we could see that happening a, a little more smoothly. 
I love thinking of the behind the scenes scenes that would have happened to initiate certain scenes. And I'll give you an example. Like the funniest thing of late was uh, an end game where Cap is fighting Thanos one-on-one. And then you hear Sam calling, come in Cap on your left. I'm like, wait, so he had to been brought back to life. Somehow get this Dr. Strange, tell Dr. Strange to specifically place a portal to the left of Captain America, who he had not met, for an inside joke between him and Cap only. So the thing of like Karate Kid is like, all right, Kreese, I want you to hide behind your cardboard so that Daniel doesn't see you. Mike, you're going to go stand in this closet and just wait. Just wait until the perfect time. I will timing. say, though. You'll know. I will say, though. Terry Silver is set up as exactly the kind of villain who would pull that shit. Oh yeah, we've yeah, we, yeah we've already made that discussion. Like, he definitely did that. You know, like there's a there's a great uh, I think it's a, I think it's on a, a episode of the Cracked podcast that we're talking about like how much uh, like horror movie icons have to like set up what is essentially feng shui to scare people of like okay so she'll look at the popcorn and then she'll go in the fridge and then she'll <laughs> open the fridge boom her friend's head. Right, it's like this, like whole this whole you know uh, uh, thing that they have to do. I don't, I don't, I think that Terry wants to be that. I think Terry wants to be a, a essentially a horror movie icon for for Daniel. Just like, okay, what's the scariest thing? He thinks that my friend is dead. So once he's back from getting rub downs and rub ups in, Tah- in, in Tahiti, he'll come back and he'll scare the living piss out of him by just existing and having a face again like a fist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crease, crease, takes out. I told him you were dead, and I buried your body already. Isn't that something, Crease? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's insane. So go back to the question about Daniel. I think this movie hit home the most, and I think it was like kind of a turn from the last one because in the last one we at least saw him be like a young person doing young people things. Like this one hit home the most that like his only personality trait is I have an elderly best friend. Yes. Like <laughs> the first thing he tells else. that girl is that he has an elder friend. But like he doesn't have anything else really going on where no. he's like, oh you know like I can relate to that or I can, you know, like you root for someone that you can like see a little bit of yourself in, or you can, you know, that's like identifiable, f- feels familiar, but it's like his only thing that he has going for him in this movie is that he's friends with Mr. Miyagi. Like he doesn't have any other personality where you're like, Oh, you know, he's, he's got this thing going on, but you know, he's still like, he does this other stuff. I still like him for this stuff. It's like, that's the only thing he does in this whole movie. So yeah. 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 Oh, think- that's the sequel back to the future versus karate kid. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, that didn't get made at some point. In true. I know, I know. Number nine, Karate Kid needs more karate tournament and less bullshit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Think, yeah. Ideal sequencing of events in this is like you can keep the intro, you know, let Silver ham it up a little bit. Let's get that intro beat down between Barnes and uh, what's his name? they're getting harassed over this stupid enrollment form, right? You do the whole bonsai tree gorge scene. That is the inciting incident, which allows Miyagi to say, okay, we need to fight these guys because they're not going to leave us alone. They tried to kill you. They go from there to, you know, tell them that they're going to fight or, or Miyagi tries to confront them after that. Miyagi might even say like, 
you know what, no, I need to talk to them again, like in the first movie, you know, if there are people of honor, they will like apologize and let this go or whatever. Then you have that dojo fight, which by the way, there are two Miyagi fights in this one. The first one against the kids looks pretty bad. And like they're editing yeah. around him even more than the second one. I'm like, all right, he's probably a few years older than the last one, you know, whatever. Like they got to, you know, hide it. But in the, the second one, Miyagi looks pretty good. It's a, so great, I, it's a great Miyagi fight. Yeah. I think in the second like dodging punches. Yeah. I think in the second one when he throws Barnes through the door, um, Barnes comes in like butt first. So I'm really intrigued <laughs> by what move brought that on. Mm-hmm. Um, but totally agree. I feel like at least in the second one we had more training montages. Like even training montages I would be more okay with. Like if there weren't more fights, like I would like more fights, but if there were only just like just showing them doing something. You know, like a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Uh, what what the film lacked in power ballads, it made up for in like, you know, lovely scores with like big zoom out shots of them, you know, practicing on very scenic, you know, landscapes. Yeah. But that happened like two times for like. Yeah, real nights of Rodin. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> one really good long zoom out of them doing the kata above the devil's cauldron. But I, I just that's the that's the thing that's weird is that the kata is is treated like it's this it, like it's like it's going to be useful in a fight, which it, I, yeah. it became useful in the most convoluted way. Yeah, but I, they, it's cardio, right? Yeah, they yeah. were they. Were, I don't even think that's technically a kata. I think a kata yeah. is actually you performing a sequence of strikes and stuff for like practice. That was basically just like Tai Chi. It did look like Tai Chi. It was like like clunky Tai Chi. At least in the second one, we had that convoluted like way of him learning a new move with that little like drum toy. Mm-hmm. And he was like trying to do stuff around like the docks and stuff. Yeah. Like it wasn't good, but at least it was like, oh, this is a karate movie. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think to, to finish that ideal sequencing is like you move from that dojo fight straight to the tournament. And to offset some of the awkwardness of just watching Barnes kill everybody, have like have there have like a two-on-one like locker room fight between the two other goons or something. You know, get them involved. Give Daniel a little bit of an extra disadvantage to create that extra mm-hmm. sympathy, uh, and then you can go into the finish. I think by then you like you really want to see these guys get their comeuppance. By then, you're not just like exhausted which is how this movie kind of left you mm-hmm. speaking of comeuppance yeah. number 10 the tournament referee must be tired of copa cry's antics oh, for sure clearly not clearly not <laughs> oh true he loves watching <laughs> true. yeah you got Barnes on the mat screaming at Daniel. By the way, my brother, I when I had just finished watching, my brother had just texted me within a minute of me being done. And I watched it because we have a family share package on Apple Plus, whatever. So any movies he buys, any movies I buy, we can just share it as a family. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, thank God you had this movie so I could just watch it. And then he's like, oh, did you watch it with the kids? I was like, hell no. Because at the end, there's so much cursing that I completely forgot about. So yeah. He's screaming at Daniel, you're a piece of shit. You're shit. You're, you're that, shit. You're kind that of shit. Was a, that was a surprise to me because was there cussing in any other part of the movie? No. Then this was PG-13. I was like, how did they get away with all that? I think they say, I think they did jackass at some point, but it's like, it's nothing, that, nothing like major. Like, yeah, yeah. I think there was some in the original movie that gave it a little bit more edge than the other two movies had. Yeah. Like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, they were just like, we had this in the first movie, let's put it in this one. And it doesn't work. 
Yeah, and it's like swear, swear, slur, swear, slur, slur, swear. It's like, oh, okay. It felt oh. like if they had had him say, if they had had Barnes say some stuff like throughout, it would have felt like, oh, he's clearly the bad guy. He's the one saying the bad words. Yeah. But it was like, you know, pretty even keeled in terms of language the whole movie. And then that yeah. part at the end, it was like, whoa. What the fuck? Did anybody else think that when Miyagi said that the karate comes from inside, that Daniel was just going to walk away? Like that he like realized, oh, this is childish <laughs> and I can just leave. Because that, there's a moment in his eyes where I'm like, is he going to walk away? Because that's such a bold move. Because like, you know, obviously they said they were going to harass him forever. Um, but like his like choice is like choice to leave in front of, you know, in front of the whole town. Just be like, hey, look, I don't need this. Uh, I don't know. That would have been, it would have been uh, uh, interesting to see. Yeah, versus, it felt like just it, like he wins again. Yeah, it felt like it was sacrificing Miyagi's, you know, convictions a little bit of him not yeah. eventually like wanting him to fight and win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As much as I was like glad to see this movie end right after the fight, like just because it had drug. And for I was a long just time. so pleased to see it end. Yeah. And yeah. like this was the one where I felt like it did need a post fight thing because it did feel like that between that scene, Karate comes from the inside. And the scene where they're replanting the bonsai tree, Miyagi says, like, you have to find your own place to grow, I think. Right. I, it really feels like they're setting up for a split or for Daniel to finally, like... Actually go to college? Go to college or, like, move, yes. you know, move on. Move, move, be, move beyond this, this yeah. uh, Alta, All Valley uh, under-18 youth karate competition. Yeah, one scene where Daniel's packed up, he's going to go away to college, they're saying goodbye, they bow to each other, and then they drive off. Because we don't, they're like, the next Karate Kid movie doesn't have Ralph Macchio in it, right? right. Yeah, it's Hilary Swank. Yeah, right, exactly. But Pat Reed is back, though, isn't yes. he? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, it, it needed that goodbye, I think. Yeah. But Speaking of which, speaking of Miyagi, the last buyer sale for the night, Miyagi was underutilized in this finale of trilogies. Bye, for sure. Yeah, I feel like we got so much Miyagi in the second one. And like looking back, like I did not super enjoy the second one when we watched it. But after watching this one, I'm like nostalgic for the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, you know, Pat Marita does such a good job. Like I, they should lean into that instead of like, you know, Ralph Macchio asking him to, you know, improvise <laughs> a yeah. little bit, like thinking like, oh, he knows his character at this point. Well, I mean, he's doing his best, but yeah, he's but just yeah, he's the, just kind of spurting out random words that come to mind. Both of these sequels uh, are both like overcorrections leaning into the wrong thing yeah. from what they thought people liked about the first one. The first one, you know, Pat Morita won Best Supporting Actor, right? So they were like, Let's do, let's do, you know, the Miyagi kid for part two. Yeah. You know, it'll be all Miyagi. And his performance is great, especially yeah. when his father passes away in that scene. It's really moving. But otherwise, there's just too much Miyagi. Like, it needs a little bit more Daniel sign in part two. In this mm-hmm. one, they don't go, okay, they, they, get, they say, okay, let's cut down on the Miyagi. Uh, and we won't necessarily focus more on Daniel, but we will, like focus more and ramp up the villainousness, you know? Yeah. Because I guess maybe people didn't like that the villain in the second one became Was a redeemable. friend at the yeah. end, and the other guy just sort of decided to fight randomly at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Both these movies are a weird lean into the wrong things from different parts of the first movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. 
But this one, yes, it needed more Miyagi. For sure. It needed to be... You can get more Miyagi if you watch The Next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank that debuted in 1994 Mm -hmm. and is on Fubo TV, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. Fubo TV. Just saying, if you're willing to watch that, we can redeem Miyagi in his final appearance uh, in the Uh, quadrilogy of Miyagi. Quadrilogy. I felt bad for him, I feel like, in most of the scenes, because it was just Daniel being like, it felt like he was being like a pubescent teen, you know, like acting out for the first time. Um, And like Miyagi was just feeling the brunt of that instead of like, you know, doing his own thing and like being wise and Mm -hmm. all that. I am really excited to continue the series, though. I do want to watch the next Karate Kid. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've I haven't seen it. I I, I bet it's just as bad as like the worst of these. It's movies. better rated than Karate Kid Part Three. It's I, actually a fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and yeah, four point four on IMDb fans. I think I, I think I talked about this in the in the in the Part Two. I did not realize there were two more Machio films. I only knew that there was the Karate Kid and the next Karate Kid until until we did the podcast. Oh. Um, I didn't know that, I didn't know that there were there were two two other uh, uh, Daniel San uh, uh, stories to 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 in, to enjoy uh, so thoroughly as I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you learn things on False Start. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I learned I learned all the all the time. Um, Do yeah. synopsis real quick. During a commemoration of Japanese soldiers fighting in World War II, Mr. Miyagi meets the widow of a commanding officer. He gets to know her granddaughter, Julie, an angry teenager who is still feeling the pain of losing both her parents in an accident and having problems with her grandmother and fellow pupils. Mr. Miyagi decides to teach her karate to get her through the pain issues and back on the right path. She's Batman. Ooh, <laughs> Michael Ironside's in it as a villain. Oh. Who's the villain? Michael Ironsides. Uh, yeah, Michael Ironside of like Top Gun. Oh hell yeah! Uh, Splitter Cell, mm-hmm. all those like uh, yeah war movie kind of things. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see like young Hillary Swank fight Michael Ironsides. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I didn't assume he was the actual one that she fought. <laughs> I mean, what else? You said villain. That's what I. That's, no, I know, but I assumed it would be like another crease situation where, like, you know, he's also training you're, someone. You're he's training right. his own swank. The best version of that movie <laughs> would be him them fighting with lion sides. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man, it has been fun covering the trilogy of Karate Kid over the past couple of months, uh, folks. It's- you just heard the confirmation. Next Karate Kid will come at some point down the road, possibly the Jackie Chan one. But that seems like a good movie to make fun of, and I don't know if yeah. I'm ready for that. I haven't even seen. By the way, just for a fact, I haven't seen Next Karate Kid, nor have I seen the Jackie Chan remake. Me so, yeah, I haven't seen either of them. And uh, I need to get back on Cobra Kai. I've only seen like the first two episodes of the first season when YouTube Red was a thing and then I stopped watching after my trial. But I've heard so much good hype over the past two seasons. I need to get back on it. Now, watching the trilogy of the Machio Cinematic Universe has revived me to get back on it. Yeah, so yeah, as we put I'm it, the real MCU. I've been, I've been wanting to watch the show, but I wanted to wait until after we had false started the third one before getting into it. Because I was like, I want to know, know what all is in these characters' past. Mm-hmm. Um, was, and now I know. I just Googled what the green healing soap was, and it's matcha with a little bit of cayenne. Oh. <laughs> mm. 
I bet you it's a real thing in real life. This has been False Start with me. Give us a subscribe, listen, and give us a review on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Stitcher, anything you've already hearing the voice on. Just give all those there. Help us out. Also, check out the Alchemy Comedy Podcast. We are all from Greenville, South Carolina. We are part of Alchemy Comedy Theater. We just started our own podcast now that our theater is dark, but we're actually celebrating the nine-year anniversary of Alchemy Comedy coming up soon. So check out the audio recordings as we have done recordings such as some of our stand-up meetings improv we'll have upcoming uh improv shows audio formed and we do uh interviews with the cast such as ben has been on it uh lindsey's been on the most recent episode man you'll be on eventually uh and also check out my other uh, podcast one star reviews where i review businesses in greenville south carolina that are really good reviews and just read the stupid really bad reviews from uh people just being entitled and trolling the trolls because it's a lot of fun for me so Mm -hmm. this has been false start and i was saying boom boom Boom. Boom. Is that what we're going to...